treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, use without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the king of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the, to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your service for ten days. Let us, give, let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and, and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. Amen. Uh, as we take a closer look at this passage, I'd like to issue all of us, not just you, but all of us, a challenge for 2020. Here's the challenge. Dare to be like Daniel. Dare to be like Daniel. That is the challenge for all of us. There is no doubt that among many other things, Daniel was indeed a thermostat. To better understand how young Daniel is worthy of this title, please join me as we consider some of the, some of the things from this text. First of all, let us consider the conditions. Let us consider, in order to figure out how Daniel can, can wear this title, how he can fit this title of being such a man, let us consider, firstly, the conditions. Again, verses 1 and 2 say this. In the third year of the reign of, king Jeho of, of Jehoiakim, king, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand uh, with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. The conditions. What were the conditions? Well, they were such. The year was 605 B.C., and God's people had been continuously disobedient. And as a result, God allows King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to overthrow the people of Judah and take them into captivity. The days were dark. The days were difficult. 
Nebuchadnezzar had not only seized the people, but he had even burned down the temple of God and took several of the furnishings in the temple and put those furnishings in the temple of his own little g-god in Babylon. The days and the conditions of the days were challenging conditions. Can you imagine for the people of God having to go through, even though it was of their own doing, can you imagine the difficulty and the challenge of the conditions of the day? This, 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 this Gentile, far a heathen king, pagan king, is allowed to have his way with not only the people of God, but also the things of God. It was challenging. I submit to you that in 2020, we are likely to face some challenging conditions as well. I, I'm not making it up. I know it's true. I know, I know that 2020 has some challenges in store for all of us. I know it's true because history proves it. History says that if 2019 had challenges, and 2018 had challenges, and 2017 had challenges, and 20, how long, how far should I go with this? 2016 had challenges. Uh, uh, what I'm really trying to say is that every year presents challenging conditions, and we are guaranteed to face some challenges in the coming year. We'll face personal challenges like loss of loved ones, like what happened, like those so some of those same things happens, it happened in 2019. In 2019, uh, we faced loss of loved ones. We faced illnesses. We faced broken families. We faced financial issues in 2019. And, and it's assured that if it happened then, it's likely to happen in the coming year. In 2019, we faced societal changes like the proliferation of porch pirates, that kind of thing. In 2019, we saw this, the profound and profane invasion of our privacy. It's all over the news. Our privacy is being invaded at an alarming rate, and it is sure to continue because of history. It's sure to continue in the coming year. We face challenges. It's in the news this morning of, of, of violence, mass violence that's happening at an alarming rate just in our nation, but not only in our nation, all over the world. In fact, as of December the 25th, the 359th day of this year, there were reported 406 mass shootings just in the United States of America. 359 days, 406. As of November the 19th, the 46th week of 2019, there were 45 school shootings reported, almost one per week. Difficult times, challenging times uh, happen in this year, which says that it's likely some of these things will continue, will continue to have challenges in the coming year. But I know not only his, does history prove it, Scripture promises it. Scripture promises it. Uh, in passages like John 16 and 33, where Jesus says, in this world you shall have tribulation. Passages like 
Psalm 34, 19, where the psalmist writes, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Passages like Isaiah 54, 17, where the prophet writes, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. The fact that he says that, that, that no weapon shall prosper means the good news is on the end, that it's not going to prosper. The bad news is at the beginning, which says that the weapon shall be formed. We can, we, can, we can rest assured that 2020 will have its share of challenges. The conditions will be challenging. There's no doubt about it. It's what, it's what the poet Langston Hughes writes about in his poem entitled Mother to Son, where a loving mother in a dialogue with her son about life says this, Well, son, I tell you, life for me ain't been no crystal stair. It's had tax in it and splinters, and boards torn up, and places with no carpet on the floor bare. But all the time, I've been a-climbing on, and reaching landings, and turning corners, and sometimes going in the dark, where there ain't been no light, and life ain't been no crystal stair. We're sure in 2020 to face some challenges. Like the people of Judah and the mother of this poem, we'll, we will face some challenging conditions in the coming year. There's no doubt about it. Uh, here's the thing. Challenging conditions call for courageous characters. Whenever we're faced with challenging conditions, it calls for us uh, to be courageous characters. And so then, the next thing is we've considered the conditions let us then consider from the text the characters. Let us consider the characters. In verses 3 and 4, we find out that there are four characters who are handpicked by the king. Four characters in this story who are handpicked, handpicked by the king. Verses 3 and 4 say this, Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youth without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. He handpicks these characters. And in verse 6, we find out that the central character to the narrative is Daniel and his supporting cast are his three friends by the name of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. In verse 7, their names are changed to Belteshazzar, uh, to Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, these are the central characters in this story. Here's a question. Why were these characters selected by the king? Why, why, why did he select them? Well, it reminds me of what Jesus says in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, 31, when he, he says to Peter, he says, Peter, he, he, he doesn't call him Peter, he calls him Simon. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And I submit to you that Nebuchadnezzar, like Satan, desired to have these four characters because like Peter, they had potential, they had promise. On the inside of them. It, it, it's obvious because of their background. It's obvious because of who they were. That they had potential. And so I say this to, to all of us. As we endeavor to go into this new year. Let us be reminded that the enemy is not after us because of who we are. 
He's not after us because of who we are. He's after us because of who we shall become. He's after us because of the potential that lies on the inside of us. He's after us because of the promise that we have on the inside of us. This king was no different. He was after them for their potential. They were only 15 and 16-year-old boys at the time, not, not able to fully realize their potential. But the potential, nevertheless, was there. We know it was there because verses 3 and 4 says that they were from royalty. They were well favored. They were wise. They had potential and promise, and they were selected because of that. How does that apply? Well, we are, Peter says it, we are from royalty. We have promise. Well, I know the thoughts I have for you. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, thoughts of peace and not of harm, thoughts to prosper you, thoughts of and to give you unexpected end. We, we have promise, and because of that, we are susceptible to the enemy as characters to be selected by him, and we have to be aware of that, that when that is a possibility, that we have to be courageous. So these characters, we've looked at the conditions. We've looked briefly at who the characters are in the story. Now, let's consider the choices. There are choices that, that are made in life. And I think everyone would agree that choices are important. The choices we make are extremely, in life, are extremely important. It's extremely important, so important that in Scripture, the word choose is found in 55 verses in 24 chapters, and in 15 books in the Bible. It is important. Choices that we make in 2020 will be important. The wrong choice could be fatal. You know it's true. Let me give you an example. On April 14, 1912, at approximately 11.40 p.m. in the night, the supposedly unsinkable Titanic, four days into its maiden voyage, struck an iceberg and sank, killing 1,500 people. There are many choices made that shared in the fault for this tragedy, such as the builders of the ship focusing on the 16 supposedly watertight compartments that were, that, were, that were built there to supposedly make the ship unsinkable. They focused on that rather than focusing on the need for enough lifeboats that in case the ship would go down, there would be enough lifeboats to save everybody. They didn't equip the ship with enough lifeboats. Choices like uh, canceling a scheduled drill the morning of the departure that would have that walked everybody through how to depart the ship uh, in an organized way, they chose to overlook that. Choices like ignoring repeated warnings about the icebergs. But one of the most costly choices centered around something simple like a key and some binoculars. Second officer David Blair was removed from the crew just before the ship set sail. Last minute decision to make a crew change. 
and he forgot in the rush to hand his key to a locker that contained binoculars for the lookout so that he could get to the binoculars. The ship had set off before he realized he had forgot to leave the key. So the crew had to watch for icebergs using only their eyes. And we know that that choice proved to be deadly. Choices are important, and they, they, can, they can be costly. Uh, they can, they can, the wrong choice can be fatal. On the other hand, the right choice could change the course of history for the better. Like the choice Martin Luther made likely in October of 1517 to defiantly nail a copy of his 95 theses to the church door at Wittenberg, Germany, launching what we know today as the Protestant Reformation. It was a choice that he defiantly made that changed the course of history. Then there was a choice that was made the same year that the Titanic went down in October of 1912. Teddy Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt had prepared uh, a 50-page diatribe that he aimed to deliver to a waiting audience as he prepared to launch his campaign. Before heading, though, to the speech, Roosevelt randomly decided to fold up the speech and place it in his breast pocket, a small decision that saved his life. Because just before he stepped on the stage to deliver his speech, an assailant approached him and shot him in the chest. Because of the pages that were in his breast pocket, the bullet was slowed down and didn't take him out. It still pierced him. It was still in him, but it, 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 had, it didn't have the same effect. So he stepped up on the stage, Felton, and, and delivered his speech anyway. All because of a last-minute choice and decision that he made. Many of you remember the I Have a Dream speech of August of 1963. It was not originally meant to include anything about a dream. But as Dr. King was delivering this now monumental and historic speech uh, and, and going along with his notes in the background, Mahalia Jackson hollered out, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. And he changed his speech, departed from his notes and just went off of what he wanted to say. And that speech became known as the I Have a Dream speech, one of the most eloquent speeches ever spoken in the history of this world. Choices are important. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death because we have choices that are critical and important. So this is what I'd like to share with you. Life is 10% about what happens to you and 90% about how you handle it. That's what life is like. I told you last week that life is really boils down to two words, right? What did I tell you? Situation and navigation. Because all of us are going to face situations. It's not the fact that we'll face situations. It's how or situations. Y'all remember that word, right? It's situations or situations. They're two different words, right? If you were here last week, you, you remember what the difference is. Uh, I won't re go over that again. Just know there are two different words, right? Uh, and so the, the, the key is not that you face them, but how do you navigate them? Because life is about 10% what happens to you and 90% how you handle it. And how we handle it boils down to the choices that we make. And so we've looked. So Daniel, in verse 8, makes a choice not to defile himself 
Verse 8 says this. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. He makes a choice. He makes a conscious decision or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. He decided, makes a choice not to defile himself with food or with the strong drink. This food that was offered to him did not conform to the requirements of the Mosaic law. Uh, Number one, it had been prepared by Gentiles. It had been prepared by pagans. It was unclean in the eyes of Daniel, and it was forbidden, and it included some forbidden items. Not only that, but the food had been sacrificed to idols and to gods, and Daniel said, I'm having none of that. I'm making a decision and a choice not to defile myself. Not only that, the Jews were prohibited from strong drink. The difference is is that that the Jews had wine themselves, but history says that the Jews diluted their wine. Not like the Gentiles, uh, their wine was diluted, and the Babylonians didn't dilute theirs. And so Daniel says, I'm not having anything to do with that defiled food, and I'm not having anything to do with that strong drink. Because based on my faith, it's it's not allowable. I'm making a decision. Daniel chose not to compromise his faith. He chose conviction over comfort. He chose to stand on his conviction, not to take food that was not allowable, not to do the things that were not allowed to him, to be obedient to God. So then, we've looked at the conditions. We've looked at the character. We looked at the choices. Lastly, let us consider the conclusion. The conclusion is in verse 15. The conclusion is this. In verse 15, at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. Because of Daniel's decision to stand Not just Daniel, but his three friends as well. Conviction to stand on their conviction and to follow what God had said. Uh, The choices that they made proved to be quite profitable. King says, take these four and brainwash them. Take these four and steal their identity. It was an attempt at identity theft because if I can feed them this fine food, if I can give them this strong drink, if I can uh, 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 brainwash them into not knowing who they are by changing their names, right, then I can take away what's near to them. I can take away their identity. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we're not doing that. Just give us fruit, give us water, and we'll see at the end of 10 days who looks better. They decided our God will make a way for us. And that's what they did. They, rather than eating T-bone and drinking Dom Perignon, they decided to have apples and bananas and water. While these others had all those fine things, at the end of the 10 days, they were brought in. And here it is, strangely enough, 
They look better than everybody else. What's, how can that be explained? What's the explanation? How can someone who's not had the, the, the fine things that these others have had look better than they do? It's because of the glory, the providence, the intervention of God. Because listen, here's the thing. When we do what God desires us to do, he will do things on our behalf that don't make sense, that don't appear to make sense, so that when we forsake the defilement that the world offers. Like, listen, this is not a sermon against drinking wine. So y'all stop looking at me funny. Talking about, I ain't never going back because he told me I'm not, it's not that, I'm not saying, I'm saying defilement, right? The ways of the world, the wickedness of the world, the ways that the world attempts to, when, when we stand firm on our convictions and our faith in God and turn our backs on the ways of the world that are not for us, even though the enemy desires to have us, that he might sift us as wheat. Jesus says to us, like he said to Peter, but I prayed for you. That when, Peter, you are converted, you'll have the power on the inside of you to go back and strengthen your brethren. Because the Lord will always make a way when we are faithful to him. And so, and so, their choices proved to be quite profitable. Uh, this, in fact, this experience early on in Daniel's life paves the way for him and sets the precedent for him to become a thermostatic powerhouse for God. In other words, his whole life from this point forward was defined by the fact that he was able to change the environment. If you keep reading, you'll find out the king had a dream. And nobody could interpret the dream but Daniel. Daniel gets word, comes in, and all of a sudden the entire, and I'm a, the king says, I'm going to kill everybody. Because y'all are fake, phony, and frauds. But, but, but somebody said, what, what? Daniel got word. And Daniel gets word. And Daniel says, I'm paraphrasing, hold up, wait a minute. I can do this. Let me call out to my God. And because of that, Daniel shows up. And when Daniel shows up, the entire environment changes. And Daniel interprets the dream. And the rest is history. It sets the stage. This, this early obedience to God sets the stage for the rest of Daniel's life. In fact, he and the Hebrew boys would go on to make history. It's the reason why we know about them, right? Because they would go on to make history. You know that they made history, right? Because in chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar decides that he's going to build a golden image. And he's going to make everybody in the kingdom bow down when they hear certain instruments play and worship the golden image. But these thermostatic powerhouses for God, by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's compadres, Daniel's brothers decide that we're not going to do it. And because of their decision, because of their choice, we know of them today. 
Because they said, we're not going to bow down. If The king says, if you don't bow down, anybody that doesn't bow down will be thrown into the fiery furnace. But they made history like we ought to make history in 2020. You know what they said? We don't care what you do to us. We're not going to bow down to your God. King said, okay. All right. Heat the fire seven times hotter. Take these three and throw them into the fire. No, he says, first he says, first bound, bind them up and throw them into the fire. They said, we don't care what you do to us. We're not, and even if God doesn't show up, we're not going to worship your God, your God anyway, your little G God. We're going to worship our God because of their commitment to God. They make history because the story goes that they were thrown into the fire. Three of them bound into the fire that's been heated up so hot that the ones that threw them in got burned up. King looks in. And, not, not, and they're no longer bound, Kimmy, but they're walking around in the fire. And not only are they walking around in the fire, the king says, hold on, wait a minute, didn't we throw three in there? But there, I look in there and there, there are four walking around loose in the fire and one of them appears as the son of God. They made history because of their commitment to not defile themselves, to obey and stand firm on their faith. And then we know Daniel's story as we move on to chapter 6. Daniel is put in charge and the others didn't like it. So they try to figure out a way to get Daniel in trouble. And they figure that the only way, Brother Sam, that they can get Daniel is in relation to how he worships his God. And so they go to the king. Is king now is Darius. It's no longer Nebuchadnezzar. It's Darius. And they say, oh, king, live forever. Make an edict that whoever prays to any other God, will be the same hour thrown into the den of the lions. So the king doesn't really know what's going on. He doesn't know that they're after Daniel, so he does it. And then once he does it, he can't take it back. And so they go to him and they say, this Daniel. He hears, first of all, Daniel hears about it. And you know what Daniel does? And you know what Daniel doesn't do? What he does is what he always had done. And what he doesn't do is do what the edict said he should do, is to not pray, not worship, not pray to his. So you know what Daniel does? Daniel goes home immediately after hearing this. He goes home, and what he has always done, he does this day. He opens his windows to the east, and three times a day, he goes down on his knees with his window open so that everybody can see him. He prays three times a day to his God, the same way that he had done all his life, ever since before we find out about him in chapter 1. He's still praying to his God. And they find out, go tell Daniel, well, Daniel is doing what you wrote couldn't be done. So he needs to be, so, so, so king is, king is, king is, 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 
He's emotional because he cares for Daniel. But he couldn't change what he had already written. So he has Daniel thrown into the den of the lions, hungry lions. And he is so distraught about it that the Bible says that he goes home and he fasts. The pagan king fasts and prays for Daniel all night long. When he gets up the next morning, he goes to the den thinking that Daniel has been eaten up. But when he looks in, Daniel is just fine. Because of Daniel's initial commitment in difficult conditions to be everything God called him to be, it works out well for Daniel. And so then, I challenge us as we step in to this new year, I challenge us that we dare ourselves that even when times are tough, even when we're tempted to do the wrong thing, that we would remember Daniel, that we would look back to him, that we would remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they handled difficult conditions and do what they did. And so then I'd like to leave you as I close with some scripture. I'd like to leave you with some scripture uh, as we go into 2020 that I believe will help us. You've heard these passages before, but I want to leave them with you so that throughout the new year, you can remember them. You can recite them. You can use them. You can utilize them. You can put them into action in your life and me in my life as we go into this new year. First one, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this. We're closing with this. I'm leaving you with these. Here it is. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Uh, You're going to need that one in 2020. 2020 is going to be challenging. Listen, there are going to be some good times, but there's also going to be some tough times. In 2020, you're going to need Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, 9 says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There are going to be some times in 2020 where you're going to want to give up. And in those times where you're weary, in those times where you want to give up, just remember 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for them. That love him. Would you remember those three? 2020. We're all going to need them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. For your word. For your will. For your way. Thank you, Lord, for the story of Daniel and his friends. 
we pray that we will be able to apply some of those same principles to our own lives as we enter into the new year. Help us to please you. Help us to serve you. Help us to love you more. Is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray.